in the vast universe in the corner of a gigantic galaxy in the solar system on a little blue and green planet on a huge continent in a country in a city in a neighborhood on a random street in a house in the corner of a room is always a person thinking where did all this begin a new season a new episode greetings fellow archivers we are back all four of us with a brand new episode of kanandra archives for which curiosity is the only entry ticket from the ancient crypts of history to the advancements of technology from the living breathing planet to the deadly vacuum of space we explore everything while we spoke about topics ranging from ancient history to conspiracy theories to quantum science to sustainability in the previous season we are going to a whole new league in this one a little different from last season the disclaimer is in the description this time but as usual if you have any feedback or criticism or any kind of question about our topics you could just send us a mail or just drop a dm on our instagram your feedback is very important to us and it helps us improve and so if you like the episode make sure you send it to all your curious friends and now without any further ado this is your favorite host and let's start the first episode of a brand new season of kanandra archives imagine you just have a time machine and you can just go a little by little into the past and have you ever wondered what our history is i mean our earth is billions of years old and we have been here for a very short time compared to that like we don't even properly know what happened 4000 years ago so what say we rewind our clocks let's just start from where we are right now take a step back into our history and know our roots few thousand years ago to know the wars we fought and the kingdoms built and the empires fallen the civilizations that rose and the inventions that gave rise to what we are right now a tiny baby step into our history so fix your flux capacitors on your deloreans and just go into 88 miles per hour so since we are going back into the past so venkat why don't you just kick start our story yes raghav but before we do that uh, let's set up few things proper that is audience who is listening to this podcast let's play one small game so you as an audience imagine you're just 2 months old right now not right now right now so this is to make things a bit more interesting so stick with us you'll understand why we are trying to do this so you were born on june 2021 okay and two months after this that is august you start recognizing your caregivers or your parents or whoever is taking care of you so you're just two months old you now know how who are your parents who are your caregivers and after three months that is five months once you're born you're now able to recognize your favorite toy your favorite object that you play with or the objects in your room so you're now able to easily recognize this is that but you don't know its name you can't recognize words yet so after this 5 months down the line that is you're now 10 months old your vision is good that means your toy is hidden under your blanket you can still see its shape and say that's a toy so 
you're 10 months old you're able to know who your caregivers are you're able to see what's your toy and you're still able to recognize when it's hidden from here 15 months that is 25 months that means if you're born in june 2021 24 months from there that is 2023 june you would be now able to walk talk and also recognize that you're part of a full-fledged family so you're in the states right now you're able to recognize you're able to speak as well and from there three years down the lane that is 2026 june you have that wow moment that is from one source or other source you understand that before june 2021 there used to be some certain people who have lived and died that means there were people who had their own set of experiences that they've left behind so at the year 2026 june you start experiencing things of a different questions such as what used to previous people who lived before me used to do what were their experiences what does those places look like and what were their technology so those thoughts starts popping up and 6 years after that that is 2032 june you're now given a professional license to learn about history which means you're mature enough to understand uh, what are alphabets what are mathematics and all stuff so you get introduced to history and this is where you get to meet four different historians who will take you to time travel and this is where a journey begins to understand history so these four people that you're going to meet are from varied sources they try to speak different informations so by name if i have to go it's saikat ragav nikhil and venkat so brace up yourself have a great journey on a time travel mission and let's start going back in time so first stop in your journey is going to be in 21st early 21st century you might feel just 10 years back what's there in it but that's the most significant point in history because if you are able to listen to this podcast or if you're texting in whatsapp somewhere or if you're doing teams call somewhere it's because of this communication that has grown it's because there's been a lot of work put behind in it the expansion of communication was that era where you have laptops becoming more smaller your pcs becoming more smaller maybe handheld device becoming even more smaller and at the same era you had one more big thing happening at the year 2020 you had coronavirus pandemic at that place which you were just born 2021 june before that year there was 2019 coronavirus it had taken away so many lives global trading was gone into i know it was disaster and to recoup back from there it was a lot of effort but going behind this we we had cold war era which started at 1960s and ended at 1991 during this period of time there was lot of advancements in technology such as space exploration there was a boom in space exploration the computers were starting to get Uh, ready to go into households 
the the advancements were made in such a way that computer chips can get more smaller there were electronic computers which are sent to space as satellites and the trade was getting way better than what was expected after world wars now wait did i say world wars that's another big event as well before cold war the main reason to start cold war was world wars world war 1 the one which shook the world i don't know how many people lives were lost but it gave rise to world war 2 the 21 years later when it ended that is 1918 1918 of november when it ended 21 years later that that is 1939 september there was world war 2 and it lasted for 6 years and in that time there was huge uh massive amount of death that was happening due to i don't know there were different reasons why world war started maybe four things that that we can notice militarism alliances imperialism nationalism these were the four things without biasing that we can put it to say that this was going on and this era from 1945 to what we call till 1990s is called contemporary war or to put it correctly in term is called contemporary history we can check that out you can find that on internet as well now i'll take you to time even more behind where it's called as late modern period that is 1750s to 1914 you would ask me what much could have happened in this area if you were supposed to live in uh, britain at this point of time you would see lot of changes around you itself so basically at 1750 britain was not such advanced but they did have their independence so they made few moves such as getting scientific revolution up ahead with the advancements what happened in the previous year that previous century that i'll tell you later on with what evidences or what proofs they got of with scientific revolution they started industrial revolution basically from a farming life to making life even more comfortable even more luxurious by having people follow some systematic processes creating factories creating goods so scientific revolution gave a lot of boost to have your industrial revolution move forward while this was happening the colonization was also on run they had lot of places where they were at and lot of work was being done to get their trade being done so democracy was on run and this late modern period actually gave a solid base to what we are living right now but what did give rise to this late modern period you would ask that's where we would need to jump even more back that is early modern period that is from 1500s to 1850 you would say there is an overlap as such between these dates there is a significant cause for it because europe started now focusing more on actual science what is science rather than just believing something which is not documented and when they start following these things this start this method of noting down documenting understanding what science is became spread very wide and globalization started happening it was more easier to pass these documents around and scientific revolution kick started the ba- the basic example that we could take is isaac newton 
coming up with lot of different mathematical formulas coming up with lot of physical proofs saying gravity should work like this uh, ray should go like that as such and that was that time where lot of scientific revolution happened and that was during year 1500s to 1800s so i don't know i should not uh, spend your time more over there because there is more history to cover and again you have to jump on a time travel machine and this time i won't be coming along with you it would be nikhil who will be riding along with you so nikhil take them back what started this early modern period yeah so unlike other time machines our time machine here can travel through time and space so yeah you can go to any country there is also gps that time so it can know where the location is okay so i'll be handling this time machine now so from europe let's travel back to india so what happened in india you might know about hindu swaraja or you might have heard about swaraja it means self rule or freedom from foreign rules now hindu swaraja is attributed to shivaji maharaj shivaji maharaj is the founder of maratha empire after shivaji's death the world swaraja became widespread across many places now when we hear the word maratha the first things come to our mind is maharashtra this is true because marathas were spread across the region of deccan plateau where in our current world we call it maharashtra marathi is the language of marathas and even if you observe today the region of that deccan plateau that is maharashtra people speak marathi as their language it is known to us that maratha empire started exist in 1674 which was started by chhatrapati shivaji maharaj and in 1818 it was ended uh, by the defeat of peshwa bajirao to by british east india company to keep in mind that maratha rules fits in 1674 to 1818 in the uh, timeline of our history while maratha's rule was happening in the various parts of india let's just go let's take our craft into just little behind the history which is 14th century the one significant event began in europe where venkat was mentioning the art culture and even literature was being reformed that process was started by renaissance this period comprises roughly around 300 years in europe renaissance sets the evolution of rebirth of the european's culture after the miserable dark ages and thereby rising and unfolding the modern era of secularism rationality and individualism during the middle ages that is the period that took place between the fall of ancient rome and the begin of beginning of europeans significantly evolved the science and art the purpose of renaissance didn't necessarily happen but we can relate it to the evolution of art culture and other forms of civilization that took place this not only changed the culture and lifestyle of europe but also it did set forth the seed for upcoming modern world now when we talk about renaissance why is it significant because now when we talk about renaissance it's all started in 14th century where a cultural movement named as humanism of many principle the idea was that man is the center of his own universe and people must embrace and support the achievements done by human in the classical arts music literature and education and science so this was a significant event which happened in our history of timeline in europe okay thereby holding our craft into europe i'll hand it over the next set of timeline to raghav okay this is your pilot speaking uh, so the time <laughs> so the time machine would be going a little uh, more further into the past maybe another 500 years so which is now 1500 years ago where we'll be stopping in the deep jungles of the yucatan area okay so this is one of the most interesting civilizations to walk the earth 
the ones we thought said that the world would end in 2012 which is the mayan civilization deep in the jungles of central america are the ancient structures towering over the trees structures similar to the pyramids of uh, egypt built by stone lost to the modern civilization and a symbol of one of the greatest civilizations that ever lived and it's one of the greatest mysteries of uh, the uh, of ancient history as well. the mayan civilization is is one of history's most uh, fascinating and dynamic civilizations actually their history dates back almost up to 4000 years but it is around this uh, 1500 year gap that is from 250 to 500 ad is when they started flourishing a lot okay compared to other great civilizations that you know built around uh, fertile land or good rivers they are complete opposite they occupied the most of the yucatan area which is the is the, the connecting area between north america and south america uh, right now the yucatan area comprises of you know the modern day guatemala el salvador and uh, a few other countries including southern mexico okay so this was a hostile area actually many of the scientists said that this was a very hostile area because there were high temperatures there were no rivers around and you know very less fresh water okay and the soil was very thin and not much suitable for cultivation they had sinkholes full of salt water which was could not be used for irrigation and their only source of fresh water was the rain fall uh, rain water harvesting and if you actually remember our season 1 episode we talked about machu picchu puma punku near lake titicaca and uh, you know a few other uh, mayan pyramids we talked about uh, you know how they were built using uh, acoustic levitation and that is how uh, maybe that is how they actually built one of their greatest cities which is called tikal in that area itself in the yucatan area itself so tikal like most mayan cities was constructed around plazas where the center center of the city has the main ceremonial place and also has pyramids temples and ball courts yeah there were ball courts where people used to play and under the rule of okay this is one of the most difficult pronunciations i've ever made under the rule of yekin khan kawil under the rule of ekinka ekinkan kawil was uh, the famous structure of tikal which is the temp- which is uh, translated to the translated to the temple of the great jaguar you can actually see tikal you, you know the so audience once you finish our timeline go back to our podcast check the description you will find that word yeah okay this massive 47 meter tall pyramid was dedicated to his father who was buried with it and it soared above the tree tops and it could be seen across the city and how did the mayans build uh, construct all these uh, incredible stone structures well that is something we already discussed in season 1 and actually the mayans are said to have huge storages of gold okay which led the spanish conquistadors to attack the mayans and later the aztecs so when was this timeline ragav when was this happening what so this was yes. you know spread across the surf you know 1500 year okay it start they started flourishing the mayan civilization actually dates back 4000 years but right. their flourishing age was starting around 250 ad 250 so that is when, 
yeah that is when this king actually yakin khan kavil came mm-hmm. into power and he started developing the whole place okay and so at 250 ad mayan civilization started flourishing and 250 to 500 ad across the span of 250 years they started oh, okay. flourishing and they started developing they got started it, building it. all these uh, structures and everything so our time our time machine is now in mayan civilization where it's when it's flourishing and actually this part in history uh, in mayan history is called the classical period by mayan historians wow okay okay so and how did this civilization end so many say that you know the repeated attacks uh, led uh, by the spanish led them to abandon their homes and uh, migrate somewhere else and some believe that you know a massive uh, drought led to their demise because they had less water and it was prone to droughts even though there was high rainfall so unless we have a time machine a real time machine we may never know yeah we can go back and retrieve some person and uh, save them yeah so while this was happening so let's just you know jump over to china where the song dynasty was starting this was around you know 960 ad and it uh, started around 960 ad and went up to 1279 ad this dynasty was uh, founded by emperor taizu of the uh, follow uh, of the song following his usurpation uh, of the throne of the later zhou ending the five dynasties and the 10 kingdom period so while this was happening i mean the world is big and there are multiple things happening around the yeah. world at the same time so time machine right. is traveling left and right across the world right now yeah so we we started in central america we traveled to china now it's time to travel to europe where you know the byzantine empire also known as the eastern roman empire was which is the, actually the continuation of the roman empire starting its you know eastern province it's starting to cover the eastern provinces and the middle like uh, during the late uh, antiquity and the middle ages and their co- capital city was constantinople which is in modern day turkey okay. oh okay which period was that at uh, this was around the uh, 5th century uh, we've took audience to mayan civilization when it was flourishing the most between 250 ad to 500 ad yeah then we took them to china between 915 ad to 9 980 to 1215 ad yeah when china the dynasty over there was flourishing then now we are taking them back to base no actually this was happening around the same time of the song dynasty but it okay. actually survived until 1453 which fell to the Otto- it fell to the ottoman empire in 1453 so till then it was flourishing a lot so uh, after us so i think uh, venkat and saikat will be taking us on another journey right now so the helm is passing on to you venkat and saikat yeah all right so i think now it's my turn to take over the things so now moving back in time i think now we have moved from 500 bc to approximately around 1500 bc right now a lot of events took place during this period uh so some of them we will obviously get into detail while discussing uh the first one would be like roman empire invention of numeral zero gupta empire and those things and i think venkat can also help us give a better understanding on that 
before getting into these things uh, you know i just would like to give you a brief explanation on how exactly the roman empire began and what is the significance of it so to be honest rome was already an empire okay it's it's that is called a great power long before it had an emperor now the roman public was not a nation state uh, in the modern sense if you ask me but it's like a network of towns you know which is built together okay multiple provinces coming together and there's a military commander which is ruling them so what used to happen over there is that it was ruled by annually elected magistrates okay so you can understand the concept of electing people was uh, way long ahead in history than we actually imagine and it's called a senate for various reasons the first century bc was a time of political and military upheaval right so what ultimately led to that are you know emperors who used to lead between different durations of time period this was the period where the crisis of roman republic was happened and if you would have heard the famous julius caesar uh, that's when the dictator was assassinated now the roman empire was one of the largest in history and with multiple territories as i told you which expands to europe uh, north africa middle east right now to be very honest with you the romans were very large sculptors you know they were more into the geography and uh, you know they loved uh, their love for art was to a very good extent right so there is this one book which is called critias uh, critias uh, by plato it describes that you know what is deforestation so what used to happen is that since roman empire was so huge right and it expanded to so many territories there was a, a lack of wood why because wood is an essential item to you know used as a fossil first of all right and wood is also used for sculpting so in that book of critias it is mentioned or described as where there was once an abundance of wood in the mountains he could now only see the mere skeleton of the land now try to understand this is something which has been described way back in history uh, which is somewhere around you know i would say 380 proximate you know mm-hmm. uh, ad timeline and if you come back to the current timeline as well which is 2021 2020 2032 that you are living at audience you can know that the green revolution is already begun where we're trying to cope up with all that environmental loss that we've created now taking back to cycles timeline yeah absolutely correct venkat now just to give you one more context about romans right the romans uh, in the first and the second century also had coins so what they used to do is that rather than weighing them uh, they used coins as an indicated value okay for example it was valued for a face so if a coin has a particular face of a emperor that used to have a valuation okay so now if you also know about and if you have read about roman empire they were also a huge conqueror of sea right so they used to call uh, not just a normal sea what we call it a sea and they used to call it our sea they used to feel that this is something which we own by birth by motherhood uh, this is what we were born for okay now the roman 
empire uh, was also had a central government it had a military it had a provincial government so you see in the roman empire the hierarchy was properly different okay so now the military established a control uh, and they used to handle different territories uh, you know what they were ruling right uh, but what used to happen is that a lot of time this roman citizens used to fight back uh, as inhabitants you know they they thought themselves as free born of romans right and also what used to happen is that there was continuously wars happening between these milit uh, militants i will not call them militants these are milit uh, military uh, powerful people uh, and versus the local citizens right so what used to happen is that in due course of time uh, the romans lacks sufficient manpower or resource to impose their rule just by force Okay. gradually what used to happen is that because of this changes uh, romans also evolved to such a level that they realized what is the benefit of taking votes what is the benefit of taking a free will from people so okay basically now democracy or voting and all started over there uh, yeah it it is not exactly a voting system venkat because back then uh, there is something called free uh, you know free or there is a, there is a word for that it's called libri Uh, right l i b e r i mm-hmm. or there is the other group which is slaves okay so there is nothing in between okay oh. either you are a free person or you are a slave now slaves don't have an open mouth right but the people or the citizen who are given a free born inhabitants of that empire they were given legal statuses right okay. so when i say legal statuses basically they were given and by that law they can you know give their opinion they can express their opinion if i have to tell it in that manner right but again uh, there is again a separate part to it what it says is that the roman women right were also con- considered citizen throughout the republic and the empire but so, they did not vote saikat where was this place and mm-hmm. what is the time that we are living at right now because time time machine is too confusing nowadays so tell me which place and which time are we at so this the current thing that we are discussing this is happening somewhere around uh 212 ad okay that is when it is happening okay. and uh, this is the roman empire particularly which has evolved to such a level wherein uh in continuous war between the military and the citizenship now they realize that force is not the only way they sh- they should be handling people mm-hmm. okay they should be given some rights or citizenship to be given but coming back to the point that again this citizenship is again bifurcated between men women plus free citizens versus slaves that is the hierarchy yeah. right so one thing which i was mentioning earlier is that uh, you know so roman women right since the time where the voting system started right uh, or people were allowed to express their opinion uh, roman women particularly were considered as citizens but they were not allowed to vote or had political offices or serve in military so basically women didn't have much power in their hands yeah so they were considered citizens uh hmm. but they didn't hold any you know big positions uh hmm. in today's time if you consider right hmm. and just to set the another context a mother citizen status right is determined by that of her child so that 
that typically means that a roman woman kept her own family name for life so just like you know you have your titles of your mm. name right mm. similarly they used to have that kind of system to make sure that okay my lineage is continued throughout mm. okay so it is actually shows how much we have evolved from there like if you come back to current timeline you see how much women has a power to do these things absolutely it's not limited to what we are doing right now and the freedom in art the slavery going away and ethics growing more there's a huge shift in our own humanity yeah absolutely absolutely so i'll, I'll give you another thing which evolved out of the roman empire and which is again very significant uh girls had equal inheritance rights with boys if the father has died without leaving a will now this is something which is happening way long back in history to mm. where we have evolved right now okay secondly a roman mother right has the right to own a property in that thing so even if the father died right she can herself give an em- enormous uh, amount of her property whatever she owns directly to her sons when they are adults so that kind of privileges was also given to them mm-hmm. listeners if uh, you know if you want to learn a little about the ways of the romans right there's a really good movie called ben hur okay a 1959 movie but uh, an excellent movie you could watch you know you could learn a little about uh, you know the roman empire and it takes place around the same time as jesus christ's uh, crucifixion so just to summarize few things before we go this time machine now traveled to a place there was corona it went back to cold war it came back to world war 2 it came back to world war 1 it came back to a place where industrial ages was booming it came back to age where scientific age was booming it came to maratha empire it went to europe to the mayan, mayan civilization to the song dynasty to the roman empire and now it is right around the place of the birth of christ this was the time around which christ was born yeah christ's story is a very big one and i think it's better as if we have it as another episode instead of reason if we touch it it's better that you guys also have a look from your perspective what it is all about we don't want to be biased here and we'll leave this topic open for now so before we move into the next topic at 2032 we would have done lot of maths by then we would have done we are we would have uh, if we have invented time machine there would be one important number to use in mathematics there's several numbers from 0 to 9 but there was one certain number which makes it very important and without that number they wouldn't have been two digits three digits four digits as such that's your number zero and saikat please take them through how this zero came into existence right uh so you know zero again is one of the most interesting things to understand if you think it from an historical uh, point of view so the word zero basically came into the english language via the french word zero again okay again it's also called in italian zero right the way it is written is just a slight difference okay or you can so when was this say, around when was this around? Uh, I, i i was coming to that so the first known uh you know usage of zero is somewhere around 1598 okay so it's around 
1500s during that time okay bc right not ad so now uh, see there are there are a lot of words which used to say zeros yeah so one of the major important things if you would have recently observed properly zero is not always just called zero in various sporting events uh, you know score of zero is also called duck in cricket if you would have heard right or nil is used in many sports in british english right or in programming language for an integer if you don't find zero it's null or any exactly 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 so zero has been named differently throughout ages by throughout different uh, i would say communities but again it all boils down to the same concept right so the concept of zero as a written digit is the decimal place value you know developed in india uh, presumably uh, if you ask me it's somewhere in the early during the gupta empire gupta period which is somewhere around the 5th century bc okay uh, so now a sanskrit word uh, which was coined by a scholar for a binary number and that sanskrit word is known as shunya okay shunya is also a representation of zero but that is where it came from and it refers to zero now the rules governing the use of zeros is basically appeared for the first time in india in brahmagupta's uh, brahma sutra siddhanta so which is a book which states the sum of zero with itself as zero and incorrectly division by zero as well i hope that made a little bit sense right you can also go and check out and read about brahmagupta's brahmaputra siddhartha siddhanta you can go and read about that as well yeah. now as you guys know like zero has a lot of significance in different you know fields physics chemistry computer science as venkat was telling right so in in physics zero is the lowest possible energy that a quantum mechanical you know physical system may possess and is the energy of the ground state of the system for an absolute temperature which is also measured in Kel- uh, kelvin zero is at the freezing point of water right so again you do the same zero calculation for measuring sound intensity also right which is used in decibels and the zero level is arbitrarily set as reference value always you see a ruler or any kind of you know measuring instrument zero will be always given as a single point of reference actually even in chemistry uh, zero has been proposed as the atomic number of the theoretical element called tetra neutron so though it is theoretical it is uh, it has been shown that uh, you know the cl- cluster of four neutrons may be stable enough to be considered as an atom in its own right that uh, this would create an element with no protons or no charge on its nucleus and another thing to add upon this is even even our mobiles that you are listening to your podcast works on binary which has zero so there is it's hard to imagine how we used to live before zero came in because zero has dominated our lives a lot and we don't know how they used to represent nothingness without the use of zero yeah Maybe it's actually correct basically our time machine has brought us to a stage where we are trying to imagine where there's a value there's no value called zero and how the works how things would work if there was no invention of zero yeah exactly very good point to be on yeah so and and again just just for the listeners to ponder upon have you ever wondered all the other number always have a plus and negative sign behind them right 
प्लस वन माइनस वन हैव यू एवर वंडर्ड वाई डज जीरो नेवर हैड अ माइनस जीरो प्लस जीरो समथिंग लाइक दैट हैव यू एवर वंडर्ड अबाउट दैट राइट दिस इज समथिंग व्हिच आई वांट द लिसनर्स टू गो एंड रिसर्च अबाउट व्हाई देयर इज नथिंग लाइक माइनस जीरो एवर गिवन एंड इफ यू गाइस आर रियली इंटरेस्टेड यू कैन कमेंट इन इंस्टाग्राम क्वेश्चन ऑफ द वीक सो but that that person the listen is just 12 years old now it's <laughs> good <laughs> enough that <laughs> breaking through lot of their heads in timeline the time <laughs> that we were 12 years old we already started learning about integers we never uh, bothered to ask this kind of question right i think my part overall again is done as of now i think moving back in the time now the time for raghav and nikhil to take over the spaceship and take things forward from here Okay. So by the yeah. way it's not spacecraft it's time machine everyone memorize that properly because we are on it let's not switch between different devices right now okay thanks aikat me and raghav will take over the time machine from here okay let's uh, speed up of our time machine and go back to some 400 century bc which is around uh, 480 bc from there we'll start where gautam buddha uh, was born and uh, he is popularly known as buddha for everyone To give a context, he is a Shramana who lived in the ancient Indian, uh, that is, fifth to fourth century BC. He is he is regarded as the founder of world religion of Buddhism. His teachings are based on the insights into the arising of sadness and the ending of the sadness. He was enlightened and rediscovered the path to escape from the cycle of birth and rebirth, which we call it as kar- the laws of karmic. The duration of Buddha was from fifth century to through fourth century. Gave gave rise to a new Buddhism religion and a new insight to the humanity. With that, Raga, would you drive us to the Mahavir uh, duration? I mean, uh, he was uh, around the same time of uh, Buddha itself, but he was a founder of another religion called Jainism. He basically, you know, gave the same, almost the same teachings as the Buddha himself. But yeah, there are different followers for each of them. We don't need to hurt anyone. but yeah around the same time i think uh, we could just go back a little so that was about mahavir now before going more into the history let's touch base upon one more significant event uh, or you can call it as empire rise of empire which took place in 221 bc that is the rise of kin dynasty it is known to be the first dynasty of known history of china this was named for its heartland called kin state The dynasty was formed by Qin Shi Huang, the first emperor of the Qing. With that duration of 221 to 206 BC, I'll hand over to Raga for the next duration. Okay, so we just went into China and now we are coming back to India. So let's just go back a uh, no more back in time to the third century BC. So we just traveled all the way from 21, 2021 to the third century BC. So here is where the story of Ashoka the Great starts. The name says it all. You know, he is one of the greatest kings of ancient India who ruled almost the whole of the Indian subcontinent. And yeah, this third century BC was filled with war, bloodshed, and titanic clashes between huge kingdoms. So in the particular year 326 BC, Alexander the Great crossed the Hindu Kush mountains and entered India for the first time. Okay, he called his army to a to a halt at the Indian Indus River, 
and demanded the two rival kings of the region omphis and porus to come to him and sub- submit omphis uh, omphis of takshila surrendered to alexander but porus of paurava resisted and forced alexander to a climactic battle which he won actually against alexander now which alexander wanted to con- con- conquer the whole of india but his army actually turned against him and was uh, at at the river and uh, you know just uh, and he was actually forced to withdraw to babylon the refusal to march was in part due to the rumors of a massive indian kingdom possessing innumerable uh, you know uh, legions you know further to the east this was the nanda empire of the magadha region which was uh, you know which had a colossal force of 250000 infantry cavalry and war elephant okay oh, oh. but even though this uh, he uh, alexander had retreated his conquest had, uh, had actually destabilized the whole of northern in, uh, northern india which would actually play a key role in what was about to come now 6 years after that in 320 bc there was a man called chandragupta maurya who wanted to you know conquer uh, india but the origins of chandragupta maurya were not completely clear yeah some say he was of the shudra class which is a peasant or a serf while uh, some other uh, buddhist texts say, uh, say that he is uh, you know um, um, you know from the kshatriya class you know or the warrior caste he he likely knew about alexander's uh, you know stunning conquests and was actually given a crash course by uh, you know the chanakya in the ancient warfare tactics and geopolitics which he actually used to conquer his own empire so crash course existed back then yeah crash course existed back then so he actually uh, you know after he gathered you know followers he attacked the uh, nanda's nanda empire's capital but he failed many times but uh, you know he then changed his tactics and you know conquered the northwest lands okay which had been weakened by alexander and using his uh, you know control of these uh, regions he uh, cut off the supplies to the capital and he resulted in the fall of the nanda dynasty okay after he established his uh, kingdom he fought and defeated uh, defeated and made an alliances with seleucus 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 you know famously gifting him uh, you know 500 war elephant in exchange for peace and the hand of seleucus's daughter in marriage so after chandragupta chandragupta's death bindusara he continued continued his father's you know domestic and foreign policies and maintained the friendship with seleucus and his you know religious tolerance so bindusara had uh, three sons ashoka who uh, was the middle and the eldest was sushima and the younger was tisya so the the royal prince uh, all the three princes were sent to uh, different areas in india to learn about uh, a little about politics so at the age of 18 the young mauryan royal was sent to the cosmopolitan uh, silk road hub of takshila to stop a revolt you know a task which he actually easily accomplished takshila was a scholarly and a cosmopolitan settlement okay where the intellectual debates were often held 
among different uh, faiths and have improved uh, you know ashoka's knowledge of the world as well as making him more tolerant and sophisticated after that his appointment was in another important city called ujjain you know the capital uh, uh, capital of the avanti province which is in modern day madhya pradesh so it was in this uh, new place that uh, you know ashoka fell in love with devi okay she is the daughter of a trader and uh, you know she was actually interestingly she was a member of the sakya clan the clan of siddhartha gautama the buddha himself she is the member okay. of buddha's clan okay she was a buddhist upon bearing ashoka his two, two children his son mahindra and his daughter sangamitra this peaceful you uh, know relatively peaceful life would come to an end when in you uh, know 374 bc okay emperor bindusara passed away so the ashoka was still not you know he still didn't uh, start to follow the buddhist uh, faith yet so he led, uh, you know fought in a brief four year uh, civil war that occurred between ashoka and his brothers for the throne so ashoka emerged uh, victorious among that and he was crowned uh, as an emperor in 270 bc that was four years after bindusara's uh, death after he ascended to the throne he still uh, you know, wanted to conquer uh, the whole of india that was because at that time you know, the indian the kings wanted the title of chakravarti which is the kings of kings they wanted to become the emperor not the king himself so just king was not sufficient for the role they wanted to be kings of kings okay yeah so the practical and economic reasons were also important uh, because the taxes were the mauryan empire's main source of revenue but yeah this was the the title was like the most driving point so that was why in 262 bc okay 8 years after he became the king the massive mauryan empire marched into the kingdom of kalinga so this was when the famous kalinga war took place okay so kalinga war was a devastating war huge amount of casualties here and like on both sides and the ashoka won the war not because they you know the kalinga empire surrendered but they actually there was a lot of bloodshed okay this actually destroyed ashoka there he was devastated to see that much bloodshed so this was when he started to change okay he started to he felt bad because of all the bloodshed there and he started to you know look into buddhism you know a little peace so this was where uh, you know this is where one of the most interesting conspiracy theories is there ashoka after you know learning about learning about buddhism he wrote nine different books that ranged about different secrets from different martial arts to anti gravity to time travel all were written in anti gravity time travel nanotechnology microbiology all of them written in nine different books given to nine unknown men and they are said to pass it down generations and no one knows who those men are there. but yeah it is no one knows if it is true or not so that's not in a timeline it's just a conspiracy theory whoever feels interested can go listen it but not under a timeline consider not a timeline no one knows if it is true or not okay ashoka turned to buddhism this is where we actually learned in our history as well you know he started uh, you know developing his country he sent his uh, daughter and son to sri lanka to spread buddhism 
even though india the origin of uh, you know the buddhism is there but there are many uh, other countries who have a majority of buddhists than in india the and also ashoka was one who built the stupas you know the one in sanchi and there are multiple across india but the most famous one is in sanchi so however while uh, you know the emperor while he gave up all his conquering uh, you know greed he never gave up on his army okay his army was still aggressive and anyone who attacked they were vanquished the army was powerful they were fierce and they never disbanded every rebel rebellion would be put down brutally and any foreign invader would be met with devastating military force that you know a fact which he made clear so first person that we have time traveled with if you were during ashoka's empire at one side you can see lot of peaceful activities following of buddhism king himself while other side if someone tries to attack yeah. you would see no mercy so okay. you are between that circle what do you say raghav psyche uh, say dark and light yeah in and yang circle yeah so yeah but uh, you know to his own sub, uh, you know his own uh, people he uh, remained an almost stern father like figure you know benevolent and caring but willing to inflict severe punishment if necessary though is uh, you know people they never uh, they didn't want to mess with him but they knew he would take care of them so he worked hard to change the attitude of his subjects you know he didn't want to force buddhism on them he just tried to spread the good values there Okay. and you know, the emperor uh, emperor who actually previously enjoyed the pleasure uh, you know trips of hunting and wielded a mighty sword went on different dharma yatras or you know pious uh, pilgrimage tours during which he visited several holy sites met his subjects he talked to them he talked to the local people made made sure they were happy and he would hear their compliments or complaints about the local officials and here i have one doubt so there were these different pillars nine pillars being built they say right nine or eight i'm not sure there were pillars on which this instructions were built yeah written now ashoka pillars is what i understand ashoka pillars okay and i heard like see right now we are in time machine and we are in that place how were these huge pillars sent across different countries like i see, they say this was one in sri lanka there's one in japan is this true or was this made up traveled a lot okay See that I have been repeating this the whole season one, and I am telling it again. Their technology is really advanced one. This was in BC, not even in, uh, no, in AD. But this is after Egypt's Egyptians, right? Yeah. Not only the technology there, but yeah, he had a purpose there. He had something to drive him. He wanted to spread the good qualities, but not to force the religion on them. So he just inscribed everything. He maybe this when each of the towers and uh, pillars were built there itself or they were taken through bullockarts through years or something that makes lot of sense you go to that place build that thing mm. rather than carrying it in from one place yeah. that sounds more doable yeah. but even then in this way the he was one of the he was the first indian king to actually think of the welfare of the poor rather than you know using them for tax revenue this was you know one of the best stories that i've ever had to come across actually ashoka's story and yeah nikhil uh, do you want to take the helm for some time 
maybe explain uh, you know go a little into europe with archimedean physics yes raghav oh guys hold on venkat has so uh, cut our way and i think he wants to tell something so before we do this let's understand where and all we travel so far so that you know where you've been traveling and you don't get confused we started from corona again 2021 or 2019 we went to digital expansion before there we went to cold war and we went to an event called world war 2 world war 1 and industrial revolution scientific revolution and we came back to mayan civilization in its flourishment that is 250 ad then we went to Chi- we went to china when it was flourishing at 950 or 900 ad at the same time we went to europe to see how roman empire is working during that time and from there uh, we came back to india to discuss about mathematics on how zero derived and then we went back to uh, raghav correct me if i'm wrong here and after that we came we went to the king dynasty which is and then to the mauryan empire yes and after then that, yeah we yeah, discussed about ashoka a little into physics now and then now here the timeline is uh, nikhil what is the time now was the year uh it's still only 200 200 bc yes this is 200 bc we are going back to europe to understand physics concepts and you understand one of the greatest literature writer or physics instructor i'm not sure who is that nikhil will tell us okay right now our time machine is in india now let's travel to greek where uh, where we we know one of the famous scientists or famous mathematician we can call him and we are well familiar with his concepts that, that is euclidean geometry the mathematical system which is attributed to greek mathematician euclid now he combined the known work in mathematics and created the language of geometry okay geometry is derived from the two words geo that means geography and metron means measurement the field of geometry was very useful and uh, contributed across regions different different regions the this one event in our timeline of our history gave rise to a whole new world of planes and solid geometry it was used by people to measure areas of land measure the objects physics and what not you can see that geometry is being used various ways in today's world as well while we are talking about achievements of euclid there is one more mathematician his name is archimedes other than the greek mathematician archimedes was also a physicist engineer inventor and also astronomer as far as life is known he is known to be one of the leading scientists in the classical antiquity that is the cultural region ranging from 8th century bc to 6th century ad so he is known to be the one of the leading scientist at that time Archimedes is known for uh, the derivation of approximate value of pi playing with the exponents of large numbers these are like some of the achievements of Archimedes you can look out for other achievements from Archimedes all of these are still in use today and useful for humanity in various forms now so while we are at his place you can see him working on physics you can see him working on mathematics you can see him engineering stuff so was this man like multitasking all together or how he was a genius at that time so you can expect to touch base put his brain in all the concepts right because 
in even in a today time the german tree the way it's used you can see in satellites the way the whole engineering component gets molded like a paper and gets expanded once it goes into the space it's all maybe because what he started and how it's revolutionized now we should thank him on how this whole thing turned out yeah not just him there are many other scientists as well but yeah, he's contributed correct is the one Okay, one thing not to get confused and to note about is uh, geometry was in use since 2000 BC itself. It's not like which came in recently. Now you may ask, how do you say it's 2000 BC? Uh, consider the records. So found records by uh, archaeologists found in 1000 BC or like before 1000 BC. Okay. The carved stone balls which look like blackish gray, like you can search for carved stone balls. Okay. They were found in Scotland. These balls oh, have yeah. a geometrical symmetry like the planktonic solids like you have tetrahedron octahedron all those things it had similar kind of structure and also oh. even 1000 BC the findings of Moscow mathematician Peperus where the volumes of cones were found are calculated so these are the evidences which says like the geometry was still exist in 2000 BC but uh, the euclid geometry was emerged in 300 BC recently and not to get confused with the archimedes timeline the archimedes so uh, period was in 287 to 212 bc okay similar time where raga was discussing about ashoka empire yes so raga over to you for the eureka okay uh, yeah. so eureka it's a very you know interesting sto- story behind this word so the king at that time he wanted a crown to be made for him a golden crown and uh, he gave the person making the crown the gold but he suspected that the person didn't use the all of the gold but he actually mixed some other materials in it so he asked archimedes to find the you know find if the gold was completely you know used or not now the crown is the gold was given in bars you know in a bar shape but the crown is misshapen so what he did uh, Archimedes thought about it for a very long time but he couldn't find out how because bar crown he cannot measure it <laughs> so one day he just got into his bathtub and he noticed that most of the once he got into the bathtub because of his uh, this uh, weight the amount of and uh, the volume of his uh, the volume of the water equal to his body was displaced out of the water, uh, tub so that gave him an idea so he just jumped out of the tub naked and ran through the streets of rome or greece <laughs> okay rome ran through the streets of the city screaming eureka so that's where the famous word came in okay so it so it need not to be bathtub bathtub is for our generation to understand there was a bathtub as long back man you were uh, look at indus valley civilization they had uh, huge bar, public bathtubs okay it was not our for, for a fun so, fact or it's, it's heard that he didn't wear any clothes and he just ran like that only and king was surprised what is this he ran through the streets naked screaming eureka so this was his idea he dropped the uh, you know the bar of gold into the water and checked for the displacement of water he then dropped the crown into the uh, another uh, you know jar of water and check for displacement it was not equal and if it was the same volume of the bar of gold used 
should have been equal but it was not equal so that is where the archimedean principle came in oh okay that's the history behind the formula yeah the basically the archimedean uh, principle states that the upward buoyant force that is exerted on a body immersed in a fluid whether the fully or par- fully or partially is equal to the weight of the fluid that displaces okay that's so in this time traveling timeline we learned one formula that's as well. a bar term okay gave one of the leading you know principles of fluid mechanics in such were the brains of you know people that around that time yeah so right around this time the roman republic okay also co- officially called uh, you know the senate and the people of rome was beginning to form okay it was the it was the era of the classical roman civilization that was led by the roman people okay it was uh, you know beginning it began with the overthrowing of the roman kingdom in and ending in uh, you know 27 bc with the establishment of the roman empire so, so rome's uh, control rapidly expanded during this period from the city's immediate surroundings to over the entire mediterranean world and around this time if we go back to india was a time where the vedas were first trans- first time translated into actual sanskrit and uh, that is when the vedas was officially said to be completed okay vedas are the you know, meaning knowledge are the ancient the oldest text of hinduism okay they are derived, derived from the ancient indo aryan culture of the indian subcontinent and began as an oral tradition that was passed down through generations and generations okay this was 7000 years ago when vedas were first recited and um, these were finally written down in Sans- vedic sanskrit between 1500 and 500 bce so raga uh, went out before that how did they write on is it only oral that they used to preach it across or they never written it down i don't know about other countries they are because egyptians had papyrus but we had uh, palm leaves correct so the palm leaves were dried up and once they dry right they become very hard so okay. they for a pen right they had a very sharp tool which they used to stab and etch it on it and okay. they used to put some charcoal and wipe it off so it would be clear to read and okay. a hole was it with a you know a nail and a hammer and it was tied up with a jute uh, is it rope some kind of string of okay. not only that we had metal uh, plates for etchings and all of those okay okay that concludes my uh, part in the podcast until the ending our conundrum archive is so uh, time machine is so good like it's traveling across different different parts of time now that we've actually explored uh, the ashokan empire the uh, you know the rise of the roman republic and the veda completion of vedas so let's just journey a little back into the iron age which i think cycles would be uh, taking care of the time machine now yeah thank you so much for that uh, raghav just to give you guys an understanding the iron making technology was a major innovation and it took place thousands of years back and for people to figure it out it was a very big deal right so the iron age lasted roughly from 1500 bc to 500 bc uh, that's approximately the range from where it 
started right now if you compare to make bronze you need to combine tin and copper so that made the melting temperature somewhere around 950 degrees celsius okay now early humans could do this in a pottery furnace now iron needs a furnace that can handle uh, around 1500 degrees celsius which is way too hot for a pottery furnace right but the big advantage with iron was that you only need one metal which is much easier to get rather than copper and tin okay so that made a huge revolution because the fact that you don't need to search for multiple metals combine them together melt them and do the processing right it's way more easier in those grounds again if you see iron age as a timeline uh, it depends from region to region every region has its own set of uh, you know timings i'll go in a chronological order the iron age begins locally when the production of iron and steel has been brought to a point where iron tools and weapons are more superior than bronze equivalents okay that is where the basic iron age can be said as starting point for example uh, if you would have heard tutankhamun's meteoric iron dagger right that basically comes from the bronze age but to be honest on a later level when the production of iron was in such a good extent that you know uh, it finally became the main element of a weapon that is where it started happening similarly in ancient near east the transition took place which is also called something called as a bronze age collapse okay it's it's somewhere around the 12th century bc now the technology was so good that it spread throughout the entire mediterranean basin to basically south asia it further spread to central asia europe central europe but what used to happen is that it somewhat got delayed to the northern europe because it reached over there at a very later time which is somewhere around again 500 bc now why this happened is because of the network of traders so i'll get into the trading point later in this conversation but as of now the main characteristic if you ask me from the iron age culture is the mass production of tools and weapons right that is typically made from steel now what is steel it typically is an alloy of carbon content between approximately of 0.30 and 1.2 by weight now the only thing is that the capacity of production of carbon steel and basically the ferrocious metallurgy right it results in very good quality of you know tools which is was considered and it is any given day better or superior than bronze right now why was it so important is because bronze is a metal which is rare and which is difficult to you know extract steel was on the other hand much easier you know people can you know do a lot of things with that armies merchants who used to use bronze previously now they all shifted to the iron technology so this also helped them in the trading businesses now over a lot of things if you guys have read about a bit of history a lot of cultures move here and there during that you know trade environment right communities who are part of different zones around the world trade each other items and that's how the knowledge gets spread so right. mostly like you don't have cash to give and take some products you rather give this iron to other people and that's how you also learn between different civilizations uh i would say cash or uh, something which is like a token of uh, appreciation is not just the only thing 
it is for example uh, you know you have an empire right which mm-hmm. use lower superior weapons and if i mm-hmm. give you a superior weapon to go and fight with you will have mm-hmm. better chances of winning mm-hmm. right so that kind of technology also came across through trade mm-hmm. that's how it was okay now it also helped in a lot of other things uh, once people started using iron tools right they became dependent so the productivity increased to sustain such kind of thing so what it means is that for a furnace you need uh, you know wood right and you need larger fields for that because once you grow those grow that wood basically you cut it down and use it as fuels for your furnace so more wood also meant that you need more smelting power more people to feed more people to you know i would say not labor industrialization was happening in somewhere or the other in this entire process okay so even more people started getting involved in this entire process okay because now not only armies or military people who used to just take care of these things now local public also started getting into it more and more which also led to again a lot of deforestation because the farmers lands were i would say removed for production of iron because they wanted to grow more trees which would be used as a fuel for their furnaces so not like agriculture based plants but rather for forest which can supply in a fire to melt an iron i would say see forest is there but now you cannot go to a forest every time to extract things right mm-hmm. you would need something which is at your area where you can mm-hmm. grow cut okay okay which will make it more efficient and mm. lesser time consuming you cannot always go to a forest cut down and mm. then come back right that's more time consuming but if you can do the same process or grow similar kind of trees at your own uh, farmlands mm. it is better is what was happening and mm. also the earlier you know i would say the earliest known artifact are basically a nine small beads so these small beads dated around 3200 bc approximately around that time and where they were found again uh, i think if you would have guessed it it's lower egypt at uh, the place name is garze okay so they have been identified as meteorite irons okay, okay. shaped by careful hammering right so it is something okay. which is man made it is not something which is artificial in nature or which has been just found uh, so backdating happened and they found it that it was man made stuff right so as i told you now iron age differs from you know region to region right so similarly you know roman empires you know han china empires those also dependent huge on irons as well and the way they used to manage such big empires is by giving them new tools and techniques and by infrastructure so iron also gave them an understanding that okay wow now i can have better infrastructure where iron also can be utilized as a product okay so just to give you context for the lower class iron technology meant that even peasant farmers can now afford tools so previously tools which were only available to a certain sector of class of people or maybe military maybe for ornaments not exactly for ornaments maybe for something else they can now utilize it even for even the farmers can use it so that gives us a very good example that now it is more affordable so if it is more affordable for people 
the utility is much more and this also brings to another fact that gender mattered a lot when it comes to iron making now the production of iron was done by men right in most of the regions but in places where women dominated farming by and large it was probably women who drove the adoption of iron but in general to take the number ratio is men workers were comparatively more and iron became one of the most important parts of their community right for example south africa and those regions because iron became a part of their culture iron became a part of their livelihood and a part of their journey entirely i think my journey with iron would also go on a halt for now i think venkat should take on the baton for the last or i would say final chapter for this session it's been a long journey guys from i don't know from where technology was too advanced to even read quantum technology we have come back to place where we didn't knew how to melt iron that's how far we have come back to and <laughs> that date is now at 3300 bc iron age was starting here which means not fully furnished but just starting in bits and pieces like how saikat mentioned if you were at egypt at 3200 bc you would have seen those nine small beads made there so that's how back when they learned how to melt an iron see problem was not that there was no iron there was iron across everywhere the surface iron was there but we just didn't know how much amount of heat was required to melt it down so that was the 2200 bc that we knew that it needed around 1500 degrees celsius of heat or temperature was required to melt it down but before than that this is somewhere the late bronze age was starting and ending off where bronze age was mostly used because copper was easy to melt and it was very easy to make it into forms where egypt and mesopotamian civilization have used it vastly to script out what their informations are basically copper and tin was used easily because it was easy to melt it and use it it was used for sculptures as well as to write it down such as egyptians used hieroglyphs to write down their information as such so and then you know what like it said we knew exact temperature what is required to get the iron into a shape that we want and later on you know rest is history iron age began iron age started spreading to people when it's acquired and it was not initially accessible that's where late bronze age still continued we were still depend on few sources of copper because eastern side of asia still didn't have access to copper until it was traded so they were still dependent on this source of interiors i think so our journey ends here for late bronze age if i go even more deeper we go into mid and early age of bronze age which is too much of information to handle and i will now take you back to 2020 2032 where you're just 12 years old and raghav would end your session here with that we actually reach the ending of the late bronze age and the beginning of a new iron age and with that it we also reach the end of our first episode okay this is a long story history is long yeah and you just have to stay tuned for the next part and as for our regular question of the week 
so psychedel has already asked this uh, we have uh, negative uh, numbers and positive numbers but why not why don't we have it uh, with uh, zero like why not minus zero and plus zero so while you ponder about that question we will come back to you with a brand new episode of conundrum markets and until then keep the conundrum rolling <laughs>